So there's a greeting in a Christmas card that goes a little something like this. Christmas is just plain weird. What other time of year do you sit around staring at a dead tree in your living room and eat candy out of your socks? There are, seeing, there are some things about Christmas that are pretty weird. A virgin teen becoming pregnant. A baby who would, have, who would save the world from its sins. A God who wanted to become a human being. That's some pretty weird stuff. But to us, the supernatural will always seem odd. As one person has said, if miracles happened all the time, we would, have, we would have to call them ordinaries. Now, if you really want to talk about something weird, something odd, something out of the ordinary, I want you to consider an extraordinary event that a group of ordinary shepherds experienced over 2,000 years ago. In fact, what I want you to do, if you, if you can, is try to imagine for a minute that you're an honest, hardworking sheep tender, enjoying a calm evening on the hills outside the city of Bethlehem. You're there doing the same thing, the daily grind that you've been doing for years on end, tending, feeding, and protecting the flock. Now, I'm not a shepherd, per se, an actual physical shepherd, in a field with animals, but I imagine that's a big portion of what they do. I'm sure there's a lot more. But again, I want you to place yourself there, and as you finish up another day's work, you begin to feel a sense of calmness take over the night. However, as calm as it is, you find yourself unable to rest, to sleep, because of a strange star illuminating the night sky. So instead of trying to find a dark cave or a hole to crawl into, you decide to join the other shepherds and just simply enjoy the blessing of a beautiful night that God created. And then, suddenly, and out of nowhere, an angel appears and begins to speak to you and your shepherd bros, your shepherd buddies. So now let me ask you, what would you do if you saw what they saw and heard what they heard? More than likely, again, I would feel like they did. As as we're about to read how they felt, I would probably react in the same way. Well, this evening, as we read Luke's account of that miraculous event, our focus will be on the message that angel delivered to those shepherds, how they responded, and what it still means to everyone, to humanity in the world we live in today. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And I know it's warm in here. Um, uh, we can turn on the air to air conditioner if it is a little too warm. But I think, let us know. Yeah, we'll open up the doors here. 
All right, like I said, Luke chapter 2. And while you're, if some of you are still turning there while you are, let's pray and ask the Lord to open our eyes and ears so he can give us a new message in this very familiar story that was written for us a long, long time ago. Heavenly Father, uh, on this night we praise you, we glorify you for sending your son, Jesus, to be born in a manger, Lord. That was the plan that you had in store from the beginning of, before the beginning of time. And so this night we dedicate to you. We offer it completely to you. We want to honor you with our time, with our minds, with our eyes, with our ears, with our hearts. Lord, we give it all to you. May all the distractions, everything that's waiting for us, wi- that's waiting for us at, at home and or in other homes, um, may they just, for the next this next time may they just fade away Lord and may we all just focus on you fill this room with your spirit Lord we honor you we glorify you we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ amen so Luke chapter 2 so today this evening we're going to start in verse 8 in Luke chapter 2 verse 8 There the word of God says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, laying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, in the Old Testament, beginning from Abraham to Daniel, angel appearances tended to coincide with God's revelation and rescue. Examples of this can be found or are found in Genesis chapter 16, chapters 19, chapters 21, and in chapters 31 and 32. Also in 1 Kings chapter 19, and in the book of Daniel's, in the book of Daniel chapter 3 and chapter 6. So when angels burst into the scene in Luke and in Matthew, we know from past behavior that God is up to something big, something miraculous. 
and merciful. In our passage here, I want you to carefully notice and think what this unnamed angel said to those shepherds. However, before we look into that, I, I wonder, or have you ever wondered why God chose to send an angel and then a chorus of angels to some lowly shepherds to announce Jesus' birth? You see, God could have easily have sent that angel to tell important kings and emperors that were living at that time. Yes, God could have done that, but he didn't because that wasn't part of his plan. Somewhere deep in Jewish tradition, tradition revealed in the writings called the, the Mishnah, a belief had arisen that the Messiah would be revealed from Migdal Eder, which is translated the Tower of the Flock. This tower stood close to Bethlehem on the road to Jerusalem, and the sheep that pastured there were not the type used for ordinary purposes. Those shepherds working there, in fact, took care of the temple flock, flocks, the sheep meant for sacrifice. Now we can trust that God had a specific purpose for this shepherd audience, and the work they performed suggests the reason. These men who watched the sheep meant for the slaughter received a divine message about the ultimate lamb who would take away the sins of the world through his death and resurrection. There was, however, another reason why Jesus' birth was announced first to the shepherds. They were humble men. In fact, shepherds were looked upon, looked down upon by many people. But Jesus came for all people, rich and poor, male and female, uneducated and educated. By announcing Jesus' birth to the shepherds, God was demonstrating his love to every, for every one of us, for every one of you, no matter who you are. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. So now that we know why God sent his messenger to the shepherds, let's examine the message itself. And it, con and and it essentially consists of three parts. In the first part, the angel says, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you the good news of joy that will be for all people. In the second part of the message, the second part of the message is this. Today, the city, the, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And the third part of the message was this. This will be the sign for you you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and laying in a manger. Thus, the angel's message to the shepherds was that this baby is your savior, your king, your Christ, your gift, straight from God, just for you. 
God wanted them to see the incredible personal nature of this Christmas gift. So we're then, we're then told that once the angel delivered this message, God changed the scene from something extraordinary and then turned it into something spectacular. The group of shepherds witnessed a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to, pe- to the people he favors. Now, when I think of that word multitude, I think of those old, those concerts, stadium concerts I used to go to as, as a young kid and how packed it was, how crazy it was and, and um, how just amazing it, the thunderous it sounded when everyone was started singing the same song at the same time. Now, if, you've ever, if you haven't experienced that, um, I would say just watch some YouTube videos. I don't know, it, 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 it gets pretty, pretty nuts. But that song, that song that they were singing, no, it's, today it's generally known as in the title, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. And it catches up, it catches the full significance of the birth of the baby. Now this song also speaks of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, that he would bring glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to, to the people, to people he favors. Now the men in whom God favors are those who repent of their sins and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, Luke then tells us that when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the, ang- the shepherds responded. Those tough men, those men that were so used to being in the heat in the middle of summer and in the cold in the middle of winters, men who had no theological training or education, um, had no, again, no experience at all, rather than the synagogue and its rabbis that they, were, they sometimes went to, made an immediate decision. That decision was to go straight to Bethlehem and see for themselves what God had reported to them. Now, if some of you are wondering about those poor little sheep, the flock, um, and wondering, well, isn't, who's going to take care of them? Well, um, let me tell you this. Uh, you don't have to really worry about that. Uh, more than likely, they arranged for others to care for their flocks while they rushed to, uh, to Bethlehem. Now, Halford Lecoq called this, called this rush the first Christmas rush. But it was certainly different from those last-minute Christmas rushes so many of us procrastinators are used to being a part of. But here's the thing. They wanted to be a part of the work God was doing in the world. They saw God's work in the face of a baby laying in a manger. What audacity 
that God would use society's lowest occupations and its most meager resources to begin his awesome work of salvation. Now that, now that message the angel delivered from God is just as significant and meaningful today to everyone right now as it is, as it was back then to those shepherds. How? And in what way? Well, first of all, it's a message to every Christian around the world. A message that ought to remind you that this baby we honor and that we celebrate during this time, this time of year, is also your Savior, your King, your Christ, your gift, straight from God, just for you. What an honor that is. How beautiful and wonderful that is that he's given us the gift of his son. Again, the Bible says there's no greater gift. And we, are, and, and we ought to be thankful for that as believers. And, and as I mentioned in the beginning, that it can be so easy to, to concentrate, receive just all the, the stress of this holiday season and forget again about the gift this special gift that God has given each and every one of you. How wonderful, again, that is. Now, secondly, it's a message of hope to those who have none. A message of salvation to the lost. A message of freedom to those who are in the bondage of sin. A baby born over 2,000 years ago can be your savior, your king, your Christ, your gift, straight from God, just for you. If you're willing to come to him, believe in him, and accept him as Lord and Savior. You see, just as God had wanted those shepherds to see and experience the incredible nature of this Christmas gift themselves, he wants you to see it too. Those men weren't people out of the ordinary. Their holiness hadn't earned them this special privilege of being the first to hear the news. They were just normal, regular people like you and me. They worked the fields. We worked different kind of fields. You know, they, they had, I'm sure they had families and they had to pay bills and, you know, they weren't these celebrities on TV that, or rock stars or famous actors. They were just regular people like you and I. And what's so amazing about God is that he wants regular people to know how personal this gift really is. Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, is a perfect response to this. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Now, typically, when Christians, when, Chris, when, when uh, Christmas presents are wrapped, 
little tags are put on there that read to Robin from Angel, to Bella and Anthony from Mom and Dad. That way, when they're grabbed on Christmas morning, it's easy to know who the gift is meant for and who it's from. That night, had, well, had Jesus worn a tag, the tag would have read, to Angel from God. In the manger as a baby, to Rick, to Eunice, to uh, Reuben, any one of you, just, again, put your name in there. As a man teaching the way to God, healing the sick, forgiving the wayward, touching the heartbroken, the heartbroken, to Isaac to Hector, to Rocio, to Mike, to Beatrice. From God. And on the cross, bearing the weight of, of humanity's, humanity's, humanity's sin. Again, I want you to insert your own name there. From God. Ladies and gentlemen, believe this. Jesus is a gift to you from God. God's very special and personal gift of grace, forgiveness, healing, peace, hope, direction, promise, eternity to you. Let me read that again. God's very special and personal gift of grace, forgiveness, healing, peace, hope, direction, promise, eternity to you. Over 2,000 years ago, on a calm and bright night, Jesus came as a baby that was wrapped in strips of cloth lying and lying in a manger. God's gift to you. But unless you accept him and let him live in your heart as Savior and your King and your Lord, the gift really has no value, value to you. Jesus is God's gift. Open your life. Let him come out of the manger, out of the pictures, out of the pages of the Bible. And allow him, let him become real. Born in you. Now, I want to ask some of you an important question here tonight. What have you heard? What have you heard and seen this Christmas Eve? Now, some of you are probably, and here's what I mean. Some of you are probably thinking that, thinking this, had I been there in Bethlehem that night, I would have seen. I would have understood. I would have known it was the Christ child. Would you? Well, there's one way of knowing. Ask yourself, what have you seen and heard this Christmas season? When you watch the news today, did you see the chaos and strife? Or did you see sheep 
without a shepherd? When you went out to do your shopping, did you see only hordes of people in the stores, or did you notice worried expressions on some of their faces, worried because they were facing Christmas without employment or enough money, and they don't know how they're going to make ends meet? What did you hear this Christmas? Did you hear only the blast of music and carols? Or did you hear the silent sleighs of the lonely and bereaved who may be dreading Christmas because it accentuates loneliness? And in the midst of the sounds of honking horns and people arguing over parking places, did you hear the faint sounds of laughter coming from all those church missions and, and maybe even the Salvation Army bells and, you know, outside the stores, um, all those Christian organizations that are trying to help others, not just here in the United States, but around the world. Did you hear that? Did you hear the faint sounds of la- again, faint sounds of laughter coming from the people who are blessed by them because you furnished foods and toys for families and children? You see so often what you see and what you hear isn't dependent upon the event, but upon you. If you did, in fact, hear the cry from the lonely, the laughter of poor children, if you saw the sheep without a shepherd, then, and only then, might you have noticed the events that took place in Bethlehem that night. That's what the Bible means to hear. Are you hearing? Are you listening? Are you seeing? Do you have your eyes open? And again, I'm guilty of this as just being distracted by the world, being distracted by the, the busyness of life, and you got to do this, and you know, we're just so busy. This, this generation, this, this world right now is just so busy. But we don't take the time to just listen, to listen to what God is doing to what God is, is, is trying to do in the lives of people. We have to learn how to do that. If you haven't yet, I suggest, again, as difficult as it is, to just sometimes turn off the radio, turn off any kind of distractions, and just sit there and just listen. Walk around the mall without your headphones on just watch the expressions of people have sympathy for them there's so many people even here in our city in our community that are hurting and again if we're able to see that then yes then yes you more than likely would would have been able to see and understand what was going on there in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. However, if you lack the spiritual seeing, the spiritual seeing and hearing, then probably you would have 
been with the 99% who were there, who were present, but who saw and heard nothing out of the ordinary. In the end, perhaps one of our carols words it best. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, no ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls shall receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Now, as I begin to close, as although my name is Angel, I'm nothing like the glorious angel in the story that we just read about. Um, but the message I'm delivering to you of hope, salvation, and peace is the same. Jesus was born in a manger in order to die on a cross. He lived, died, and rose again and is now at the right hand of God to free you from the bondage of sin and save you from the punishment that awaits the unforgiven. Many of you are familiar with this verse and probably haven't memorized, but John 3.16 says this, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his, only, his, gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will perish, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So how will you respond? How will you respond to that message? Will you respond immediately by coming to him right away? Or will you hesitate and just wait for a better time? Will you wait you know, I'll wait until this Christmas season is over. I'll wait until the new year. You know, I'll wait until this or that. You know, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason to wait. And if that's you, if you're waiting, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. If you're watching, you're listening, you're here, and you understand that you realize that you realize your need for a Savior, and you want to receive God's free gift, allow me to lead you in a prayer to accept Him into your heart and make Him your Lord and Savior. Wherever you're at, bow your head and close your eyes and, and, and pray this prayer with all sincerity. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I confess my sins to you now. And I lay my sins upon the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you sent him to die for me and to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for wiping 
the slate clean, Lord, washing me white as snow. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And I ask you now that you fill me with the Holy Spirit, with your spirit, so that I may see the world as you see it, so that I may fall in love with you more, so that I may fall in love with those in the world even more. Lord, thank you for making me your child. Thank you for making me born again. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I close this evening, um, I want to share something that John said in uh, John chapter 8, verse 21. There he said this, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're a follower, if you're a believer, if you prayed that prayer with all sincerity, you and, and you believe you, you have his light, I want you... We gave you some little plastic candles earlier. I want you to to take them out, and as Eunice and Angie come back up and close us up, close us up with a couple more songs. I want you to light them, and as you are holding them, sing along and carefully listen to the lyrics to those words. Reflect on the meaning of this night and what it means to you personally.